Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Do you know if your firm is profitable? Do you know how much profit you're making? Do you know how much profit you should be making? Okay, one last question. Do you know how much you should be charging to make that profit? Well, you can learn how by downloading our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, today at entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark R. LePage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business. As a small firm entrepreneur architect, this is episode 228 and this week, I'm speaking with business coach Ashley Gartland about how to simplify your business. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, ArtCat, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and much more at ArtCat.com, FreshBooks, the cloud-based accounting software that makes running your small firm easy, fast, and secure. Spend less time on accounting and more time doing the work that you love. And Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Ashley Gartland, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's great having you here. Let me introduce you to our audience here. Ashley Gartland is a business coach who works with women entrepreneurs to simplify their business, which that sounds good already, <laughs> uh, and, they, and build a stronger foundation so they can experience more growth and fulfillment in their work 
and more freedom in their life. Uh, Ashley's been an entrepreneur since the age of 22 when she got started as a freelance food writer. Uh, and after working in editing and event planning, public relations, digital publishing, uh, Ashley launched her coaching practice to help overwhelmed entrepreneurs grow their business by doing less better, which I can't wait to have this conversation because that's what it's all about, right? Uh, Ashley's work has been featured in O, the Oprah magazine, uh, Huffington Post, Being Boss, and she's appeared uh, on the Startup Sessions, Courage and Clarity, and the Feel Good Effects podcasts. And today we're going to get into how to simplify your business, maybe talk a little bit about business coaching. Um, but before we get into any of that stuff, I want to know more about you, Ashley. So sort of go back to where you've started all this stuff and send us to uh, bring us to where we are today. All right. Well, I'll try and keep it a little short and sweet because it's, you know, it spans a decade or so, yep. a little bit more than that. So I graduated from college and I did not like the options that I saw out for, there for me. I really wanted to build a business that provided me with fulfillment and freedom and flexibility to, to live where I wanted to live and kind of set my own schedule. And so I decided to try my hat at entrepreneurship and I launched a writing business and I did freelance writing. And, and like you said in the bio there, a lot of other things. I wore a lot of different hats. I did some editing. I did some public relations. I did some event planning. I wrote some books. Like it kind of just, I kind of followed the breadcrumbs and they took me different places in that field. And then, you know, about 10 years in or so, I started to feel the pull to do something different. I felt like I'd reached a lot of my goals in that industry and I wasn't feeling as fulfilled with the work anymore. And some people started showing up that were asking me to mentor them and create, you know, how could they create what I had created and how could they get that business for themselves. And so I started mentoring them. And around that same time, found out there was this thing called business coaching, and it really piqued my interest. And so at that point, I decided I was going to pivot and go back to school for coaching and learn how to do that and then blend my experience as an entrepreneur and my new skill set as a coach and, and start working with entrepreneurs. Yeah. And and so that's what you're doing now. You're, you're mm -hmm. a full-time business coach, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so and you focus mostly on women. You work mostly with women. A lot of, you know, a couple of men, a lot of women though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and your focus is it's, uh, simplification, sort of mm -hmm. simplifying your, your, um, your business and your life and sort of making them all sort of jive and work together. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it took me a little while to see that that was my specialty. You know, I, I didn't actually see that that's how I'd ran my first business. I, I knew I'd always seen that, my peers were experiencing a lot of burnout and a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm and they were working around the clock and I wasn't experiencing that as much. And I didn't really know why or didn't really take much notice to that. But when I started my second business, I really had to set up my business to run in a streamlined, simplified way because of some constraints I had in my life as a mom and, you know, a partner. And so I really simplified and streamlined further then and started to develop the tools and the language around it and figured out what results you can get through doing that. And then I realized that that was my thing. Yeah. And, and what you just said about sort of integrating your business with your family and, and raising kids, that's resonating with our audience because the Entree Architect audience, they're all small firms, uh, small firm owners, and uh, many, many parents, moms and dads, trying to integrate their lives, trying to run sole practice, you know, practices and being mom and dad at the same time. Um, and it is overwhelming. It's, 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 and it's frustrating because you try to do both and you try to be the best you can at both. And, and because you sort of don't get that mix right, sometimes it gets none, you know, none of it's doing, you're not, you're not doing mm -hmm. any of it the way you should. Um, 
and so I, I think that resonates very much with with uh, with our listeners. Um, before we get into sort of the the nuts and bolts of simplifying your business and sort of getting that that life that we're all looking for, let's let's talk a little bit about what you do as a business coach. What what specifically as a business coach, and how does that help someone? Yeah, so there are dozens of types of business coaches. There are people who focus on uh, digital marketing. There are people who focus on strategy. There are business coaches who focus solely on mindset. You know, I focus on simplifying that. I like to think of myself as a business coach who's a mentor and a teacher and a guide and a problem solver who can help my clients see the things that they can't see because they're too close to their business. They're way too much in the weeds to see the solutions and also someone who can help them accelerate their efforts to reach their goals so that they can experience the success and they can experience that lifestyle business that they want to create. I think when, when people hear the word simplified business, it sounds so good. Um, but what, what does that really mean? I mean, when, I mean, business is complicated. So mm-hmm. how do you simplify your business? So sort of what, what is your focus and your, 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 um, your goal? So my goal is to help people simplify so that they can grow more because I found that when people do less better, and what I mean by that is they, they focus more on the most important things in their business, they're actually able to get better results. And it sounds counterintuitive, right? Because you think that if you're doing all the things to market your business, work with your clients, go above and beyond, that's how your business is going to grow. But it's actually when we streamline and we actually do less and focus really intentionally on those things that we're able to double down on the things that are working and see a lot more growth. So that's one of the reasons we simplify. The other two reasons are kind of these, um, Asides where you get more fulfillment because you spend more time doing the work that you love doing and you also get more freedom back, which is, you know, for a lot, like you said, your audience, it really resonates. Like you get more freedom back to enjoy your life. (laughs) That sounds good. So, so how do we do that? Like sort of what, what are some of the steps that we'll, we would go through to, to simplify our business? Yeah. So the work I do with my clients is so bespoke, like it's so related to their businesses. But as I've worked with lots of people, I've started to see some patterns. And so I've developed five steps to simplifying that have really become kind of the core of my work. And they have their things that repeat with each client. So one is this focus on doing less better. Like that is a core principle. And it's especially true, true when it comes to your marketing efforts. I see people trying to be on all the social media platforms or doing all the networking events. And, you know, they're part of these dozens of different communities and they cannot possibly be effective in that way because they're spread too thin. It's when people streamline and say, okay, I'm going to focus on three, maybe just two social platforms, or I'm going to go really deep with a couple of networks, or I'm going to focus really strongly on referrals or really strongly on just networking events that they start to see their efforts working. And so marketing is like a great example of how you can do less better. Yeah, that is, that is a great example. I, I've, I experienced that, you know, with mm-hmm. both five cat with my architecture firm, five cat studio, as well as entree architect, um, it's, it's specifically with entree architect, because I wanted to be everywhere, you know, so mm-hmm. I wanted to do Twitter and I wanted to do Instagram and I want to do YouTube and I want to want to do Facebook. And I was so spread thin that none of them were, were very effective. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, fo- I launched a, a Facebook group and that exploded and I'm like, okay, well, I got to focus on that because that really works really well. Um, and then, um, I, I, what I'd like to do next is focus on Instagram. So just Instagram 
and because a lot of my community is also on Instagram, um, but the Facebook group really worked really worked well. And so by focusing on those two, um, you know, I've I've seen that I've gotten a lot more um, result. Yeah, you get more traction, but you're also adding more value, right? And right. and building more community, and so it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, and I'd love to you know, do all those things. And as we grow and we add on team, team members, we'd be able, we'll be able to, to launch the YouTube channel and do the things that we really want to do. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so what, what else? What's the, uh, what are some other steps? Yeah. Yeah. So start relying on systems. I've heard you talk about systems. Yes, I think yeah. they are key in your business. And I think people really get scared off of creating systems because they think it's going to be too time intensive to create them, or they think maybe it's going to involve too much technology or they're going to have to purchase all these tools. And so to that, I would say that a lot of the systems that you're going to be creating are just repeatable processes that you do in your business. And it might be as simple as opening up a word document or a Google doc and creating a checklist for yourself so that, you know, every time you onboard a client, these are the steps that you take. And then you don't have to worry about remembering them or forgetting anything in the process is just open the word document, follow the steps. And it's really easy. Yeah. And with, with architects and creative people in general, when they hear systems, they, they get a little nervous because they feel like they're going to be restricted by a system Mm -hmm. that they want to be able to have that freedom to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, and the systems sort of sound like it's going to restrict them and not be as creative as they want to be. What is your response to that? Yeah, they actually create freedom, right? And so if you're looking at time as a huge, you know, way to create freedom in your business, if these systems that you employ can give you back, you know, half the time you're spending right now, what if you could use those for creative projects? Or what if you could use those to just enjoy your life? So I really encourage people to, when they're feeling a little bit um, hesitant to create systems, I encourage them to just try one. And I have a kind of a systems sheet that I give people where we talk through the four main systems, which are client, customer systems, sales systems, administrative systems, and marketing systems. And then I tell them, like, these are all the ones you could do. Just pick one of these and implement it one simple little system and then see what happens for you. And by the time people do that, they see the results and they're in. Right. The light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, I get it. I get it. I mean, if systems are force multipliers. Right. Mm-hmm. You put a you put a whole lot of effort into them up front. They take a bunch of time to create, but then they start multiplying your time later because once you know you put in that time, you invest that time, and it actually starts to multiply the time later with the amount of time that you've saved by having the the uh, the system in place. And the more yeah, you that, do that, the more more you end up having. You know, it's it's the multiply the multipliers. Mm-hmm. It's a, they're amazing things. And it's also such a great thing to have when you bring on team members, you know, as you're growing your practice, it's wonderful to be able to bring on a team member and not have to train them so much, but to say like, here's how we do things. These are the systems we have. Here's the checklist you follow. That's it. Yeah. A- another way in addition to checklists is screen sharing because a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of the systems that architects do might be graphic. And so if you're sort of, you know, putting together a new a project, and you're putting together your your you know your CAD drawing or your BIM your BIM uh, model, and you do that same thing every time that you onboard a new project. You could just click the screen share software like a ScreenFlow for for um, for Apple, and I think um, fan, what is it um, Camtasia for PC, and you can just record your screen, and you can do the process that you do every time, and now you have it recorded, and you can look at that next time you do it, or you when you onboard somebody. You could just send them the video and say, hey, this is how we do it. 
Yeah. And that just takes one extra step, right? All you have to do is hit record. And there's another great tool called Loom. I think the website is use Loom. It's a free screen recording program. I don't know if you've ever used it, but it's a great system because you can also do a video. So you can have you on video and the screen recording going at the same time. So it's a great tool, especially for training people. Yeah. That's how I've put together all my systems for Entree Architect. I just sort of share my screen, talk to the screen while I'm doing what I'm doing. And then when I bring on a new team member, I just say, okay, watch this video and then we'll have a conversation about what you watched. And it works. It works really well. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect. We could not do this without them. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. RCAT is always developing solutions for architects and the professionals who support them. And just a few weeks ago at the AIA Conference in Architecture in New York City, they revealed Biminit. Biminit is a plugin for Revit that allows you to access RCAT.com's huge library of free BIM objects, families, and system files without ever leaving Revit. Did you hear me say that? Without ever leaving Revit, search for specific products, configure them, and load them into your project all in the same window. Go check out RCAT.com's BIM section today. Why leave Revit when there's BIM in it? Visit EntreeArchitect.com slash RCAT and click the BIM menu right up at the top and start using BIM in it by RCAT on your next project. That's EntreeArchitect.com slash RCAT and go check out BIM in it. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team, buy project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. And getting started with FreshBooks is ridiculously easy. Most people send their first invoice seconds after starting their free trial. The same goes for tracking time, managing expenses, collaborating with contractors, and viewing financial reports. Fast, easy, maybe even life-changing. And if you need help at any time, free award-winning customer service is just a phone call or an email away. And if you have ever had second thoughts, don't worry. On top of our free trial for Entree Architect listeners, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee so you don't ever have to worry about choosing FreshBooks. So give FreshBooks a try. It's free for 30 days just visit entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks and then let them know that we sent you by sharing Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks to access your free 30-day trial today. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. You don't have time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations, and old-school payroll providers just aren't built for the way that we work today. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy for you to get it right. No longer do you have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free. Once you run a first payroll, three months free. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That is entrearchitect.com slash gusto, G-U-S-T-O, and claim your 
free three months of payroll processing today. RCAT, FreshBooks, and Gusto. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. So what's the third one? So we kind of talked a little bit about this, the delegating, right? Like once you've got these systems in place, it's great to delegate. And I hear so many fears around delegating. One, it's like this business is my baby and I don't want to pass it off to someone else. Right. I don't trust someone else. So there has to be a little bit of work there to get people past that and find the right people that they can trust. And that's the other big hurdle is like, where can I find the right people to bring on? And then there's the cost, you know, people fear that exactly. hiring people is going to take away too much profit from them or too much from their revenue. And so there's a couple of responses to that. One is that if you can hire someone to do a $25 an hour task for you and you freeze you up to do a task, a project that's going to you know, net you $250 an hour, whatever the difference is, you start to see how their value is there. And then also sometimes that delegating doesn't have to be to a contractor or a teammate or an employee. It can also be to a tool. You know, it might be that you're employing some of these great tools like FreshBooks to do some of this work for you. And it creates more freedom for you for a very small monthly cost. Right. So, so automation is sort of a, a delegation tool, mm -hmm. right? So, Absolutely. So, so if you um, have a, a software like FreshBooks that does things automatically or some other tools that um, – um, uh, Zapier, I use Zapier, that mm -hmm. you can set up whole recipes. I don't know if they call them recipes at Zapier. I don't know, they call them zaps, I think. Yeah. Um, and they're basically, you know, it, when you do this task online, this happens automatically. So if there's a process that you go through all the time over and over again, you can actually set up some software that it'll happen automatically without you having to do it over and over again. Um, but I think that delegation, there is a big fear of delegation. I think a lot of it, like you said, it's control and it's money, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose the control or you don't want to spend the time having to teach somebody else, but it's easier for you to just do it, right? Um, and then there's the money that you're afraid that you're not going to to be able to uh, afford them. Um, and you you address both of those. And I think that, you know, delegation is a lot of mindset. You know, it's a lot It's a lot of getting over your, your, your thoughts um, and uh, because it's fear that's stopping you from doing it. And then once you do it once, like you talked about with systems, if you do once, just do something small or, or delegate one simple task and see the result of that. Then once you see that result, then you, you get, you know, you see it, it you, you experience the result and then you want to do more of that. Um, so I would say that, you know, delegation is a huge piece of, of uh, making your business work. Um, but there's a lot of mind mindset that you have to get through to get to that first piece. Um, and if you just sort of chunk it down into little tiny pieces, you might be able to, uh, to overcome the fear of doing that. Yeah. I think a baby step approach to delegating is really important when you're getting started with it. You know, I think about my first business, I didn't delegate a single thing. Like I, I maybe very rarely I did, but I mostly did everything myself from the PR for my books to like the transcribing of all the interviews. Like, and I could have outsourced a lot of those things and freed up my time for more creative projects. So in this business, I have really relied on a small team and delegation to grow. And that started from little small contract projects where I would ask my peers for great referrals for an online business manager or a designer, you know, whatever person I needed to plug into my business at the time. And then I would reach out to that person and ask them if we could start with a small project. 
so that we could see how we work together so that I could see the effects of working with someone else on my business and that we worked together for like a month or on a single project. And then I was able to say, okay, that's worth it. And then I could commit. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on delegating social media? Cause I, I think, think it's I, great. I, from an architect's point of view, a lot of, a lot of architects don't want to do that stuff, but they know that it's important. It's part of marketing. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? So when I look at, when I help clients delegate, what we do is we take a, we make a list of all of the things that they do in their business. And it's usually a really long list yeah. you know, yep. and, and they're adding to it a lot. And then we look at that list and we say, what are the things on here that only you can do or that you love so much that you want to retain ownership of? And it makes sense for you to retain ownership of those things. And we circle those things. And that's essentially your job description. Like that's what you should be spending the majority of your time doing. And then you look at all the other stuff and you say, okay, who are the people who could fill these things in? Or who are the automations or the tools systems that we could use to make these things, to delegate these things? And um, I think like you're saying for architects, it sounds like a lot of them are going to, social media is going to be there and they can delegate that to a VA, an online business manager, if they really want to double down and like, um, really make their social media efforts strong. They might want to hire an expert who works in social media right. to run everything for them and do that. But I think if they're looking at in terms of I can bring on an expert here to do my social media so that I can spend more time with my clients or spend more time on creative projects that will grow my business or being the face of my brand, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be worth the value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. Um, so what's number four? What is your thought on number four? So this one's getting, these last two get a little bit more into mindset, a little less tactical things. Yep. This one's about learning to say no, because every time in our business we say yes to something, we're saying no to another opportunity. So this might be saying no to an opportunity. It might be saying no to a bad fit client, you know, someone who's like, you could do the project, but it's not really in your wheelhouse. Maybe you could give it a try. But when you say yes to those things, you're saying no to working in your zone of genius, to working in your area of expertise and really developing yourself as a, the go-to person in your niche. So I encourage my clients to start saying no and having some boundaries in place in their business to free up their time for the most important things in their business or things they want to get to in their life. Yeah. Every, every yes is, is a no to something else, right? I've, mm -hmm. I've heard that over and over again. And it's so true that every, I mean, you're only one person and you have only so much time and so much capacity. And, and if you say yes to everything, you're overloaded. And I'm sure yeah. you who are listening know exactly what we're talking about because you're probably overloaded. Um, and so the, uh, saying no is so important. And one of the things that I've said in the past is, is um, sometimes you make more money on the projects you don't take. You know, that, mm -hmm. that when you feel those red flags, when that intuition kicks in and say, this is not the right client or this is not the right project, this doesn't fit my target market, um, you have to be able to say no. And that's really hard, right? It's, it's hard to, to, to reject somebody, you know, or it's hard to, to, to not take on a project, even if, especially if you need that project, if you need that income. You know, you see the income that's going to come with that project, um, but you know that it's not right. It's so hard to say no. Um, but by saying no, it fits in, you know, it gives you the capacity to, to take the projects that, that are right for you, that will make you more money, that will make you happy. Um, and it will allow you to, you know, do more of the, the work that you really love to do. Um, yeah. Really important is to be able to say no. Yeah. Um, and I think our knee jerk response is to say yes. You know, when we get yeah. out of fear of, you know, like when you get that project and you're like, it's not a good fit, but I need the money or I need the work. So the knee jerk reaction is to say 
yes. So what I encourage people to do is not immediately go to say no, because that's really hard for people, but just to start pausing and practice pausing those moments where you say, can I get back to you tomorrow? I'm going to like think on this, make sure it's a good fit. Can I get back to you tomorrow? Make sure it fits into my schedule and it's the right fit for me. And that gives you time to weigh the cost. And if you just say yes, you don't get to do that. But if you say, I'll get back to you tomorrow, or even I'll get back to you at the end of the day, then you're able to say, okay, what's the cost of taking this project on? Yeah, that's good advice. Yep. To take a pause. So that's a good takeaway. And, and the, I love the, 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 I, cause I was just thinking about takeaways, the, the, the list for delegation. I think those are the two things so far you, you should really absolutely do. I think right now, today, you should go make that list, circle the things that, that are your, that you want to keep and then figure out how to delegate everything else. And then the, the idea of saying no, you know, make sure that you take that pause and you, you uh, give yourself some time to, for one, you know, not only evaluate whether it's right for you or not, but to give you some time to build up the courage to say no, because sometimes mm-hmm. that's what it takes. It takes, you know, it's wrong. You know, that's not right for you. And you know, you should say no, but you just don't have the courage yet to say no, because we want to please everybody. Yes, yeah. please is the person who asks you the question. And so by saying yes, everybody's happy, right? But then in, in the end, you're not happy because you should have said no. Yeah. Um, and so that's really, really important. Um, so what's number five? So number five is about being proactive, not reactive. I will say that most of my clients come to me and tell me that they spend most of the days in their business putting out fires. You know, they're answering emails all day. They're dealing with challenges and issues and problems, and they're not actually getting to the most important work. And the most important work is different for everybody, but it's always the stuff that's going to be income generating or big creative projects that they really want to get to and they know are going to provide them with opportunities down the road. So what I encourage people to do is be really intentional and put the important work first. And for some people that looks like blocking out a day of the week or half of a day, you know, Monday mornings, they do their most important work and then the rest of the week they can spend putting out fires. Some people, it looks like spending the first hour of the day, like no opening the email, no checking in with team members, like spending that first hour of the day getting to some important work. And this is where your business really starts to grow because you're so focused and so intentional with your time that you're getting to those things that are income generating. That takes a lot of discipline, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, so do you have any suggestions on how to sort of build those habits? Because we've talked about that in the past here and it's, it's hard to build those habits. It's hard to have those disciplines, especially with email, you know, the email is just Mm -hmm. screaming at you to check it and to respond to it. Um, Do you have any sort of rituals or, or habit building suggestions? I think one is making the plan, right? Like thinking about what's going to work best for you. And if you know you're an email first thing in the morning kind of person, then just committing to one day. Or if you know that you're going to do the emails first thing in the morning and you want to actually put up some fires in your business and you need to do your important work in the evening, like just commit to a time block, even if it's just an hour a week. So I think the first thing that you need to do is have a plan and then give yourself permission to stick with it for a while to build the habit and to see what it creates for you. And then as far as the habits go, it is just about, you know, practicing restraint and having some discipline with yourself and really understanding why you're doing this. And it's, I'm doing this, I'm committing to this important work because it's actually, it's going to help my business grow. Yeah. Time blocking is really super important. Um, and that, and that means get it on your calendar. It means, it means actually put it on your calendar that this is what you're going to do at this time that to-do lists are great to make a list of everything you need to do is really great, but you can't work from a to-do list because there's no constraints. There's no, there's Mm -hmm. no plan. 
right? And a schedule um, and, a, and time blocking, actually putting it on recurring events on your calendar so you know that that's what you're doing. And you treat them like a client. You treat them mm-hmm. like an important meeting that if, you ha- if you're having a meeting to sort of work out your day or to, to, uh, to, to be creative um, or, to, or to respond to email, you have to be true to that. You can't, you know, book another meeting over the top of that and say, oh, that's just my meeting. I can delete that and, uh, you know, have that client meeting in that time instead, because then that, that work doesn't happen. And so yeah. that, that time blocking and being true to that time block is really important to build that discipline. Yeah. And I think what you said there is really important that you have to honor it as a, like a standing commitment. It can't be like, well, I've got a little bit of extra stuff and it starts to bleed over into that time. Like it actually, you have to honor that container for yourself and give it to yourself. And if that means that you need, you know, get it on your calendar, but if it also means you need to have some accountability built in, you need to tell a partner, a team member, whoever it is that you need to tell to help you stick with it, go ahead and do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, good advice. And you could do that electronically too. You can set reminders and, and, you know, alarms and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And this reminder goes off or, or maybe you set an alarm to remind you, remind yourself to stay disciplined, you know, to, yeah. just to, Hey, just, you know, you wanted the time block. So set the alarm that this is the time you're going to start. And then maybe set in another alarm, like 15 minutes later and say, are you actually doing what you said you're going to do? Uh, just yeah. to sort of keep yourself accountable. Um, because you could use technology for that as well. So yeah, these are and that, those things might seem ridiculous, right? Like a sign of weakness or like that you're not yeah. disciplined enough. But if you, if that's what you need to make it happen for yourself, do it. Like give yourself permission to do what works for you. Yeah. And and you don't have to do it forever. You're just sort of yeah. trying to build that discipline. Discipline's hard, you know, because it's mm-hmm. you you have a way of sort of just doing what you do all the time and and you get into the the habit of of not doing the things that you should be doing. And so in order to replace those habits with new habits, you have to be disciplined. And if you need to use tools or an accountability partner to to, to establish those disciplines, then that's what you need to do. If you, The ultimate goal, right, is to build that simple business, is to build that lifestyle that you want. That's that's what's so important. You need to remind yourself of why you're being disciplined. Why? Because it, it's, sometimes it's painful to be disciplined. Um, but if you put in that little pain, then that discipline becomes easier and easier. It's like working out. When you first start working out, it hurts. But after a couple of weeks, it doesn't hurt so much. But you see the results over and over and over again. And so... Uh, when you when you build those new habits and become more disciplined, you know your life gets easier, and you end up having a more simplified business and a and a better life, and you have more time to do the things you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so let me just remind people that so number one is doing less better. So sort mm-hmm. of focus on the things that are most important. Um, number two is systems. So start building those systems if you haven't already. You've heard me say that over and over and over again. So make sure that you do that. Um, number three is delegate. I love the idea of building that list. Write down everything that you're doing, everything. And I would say everything, both in business and in life. Put the whole list down uh, and circle the things that, that you know, are non-negotiable. This, these are the things that I either have to do or the things that I want to do. Um, and then there's going to be a lot more things that you're doing that you don't want to be doing or you shouldn't be doing. And then figure out how you're going to do that. Um, number four is learning to say no. So that's better. It's, it's easier said than done, but let's do that. Uh, and number five is to um, be proactive, proactive yeah. not reactive. Yeah. yeah. So get out there and, and, uh, and, and be more disciplined, sort of build, 
build the things that you know that need to be done and not be reactive to the, to the crises of others. Um, that's a great list. I love yeah. that. I think that will help people uh, tremendously. Is there anything else that we should sort of be focused on from a, you know, a high-level point of view that sort of would help us get to where we want to go? I think like these are the, the core things. I think you also need to be really clear on why you want to simplify because like you said, it sounds like a really nice thing, yeah. but you have to really understand what you want to create. And if that for you means the freedom to like live the laptop lifestyle and go travel around and have be able to shut your business down for a month every year and take a sabbatical, then that's what you're going for. If your freedom looks like being able to pick your kids up at school and be the person who picks them up every day at three, like you got to really connect to your why. And then this process becomes a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you, when you hear simplified business, it's about doing the things that, that need to be done, right? To do them, to do less better is what you said. Is, is that sort of the, the goal here is to do less better um, because we all want to have that life, you know, that we dream of. And uh, the only way to get there is to, is to do these things, is to build, build the plans and execute and to get disciplined um, because the other side of that is freedom. The other side of that is to live the life that you really want to live. So really, really good stuff. Thank you very much, Ashley, for, for sharing those. Um, before we wrap up here, I want to have ask you the one final question that I ask everybody. Uh, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Now, I'm going to go back to that fifth step that we talked about. I think the one thing that you can do is to prioritize your most important work. And I know it's going to look different for every firm who's listening right now and every architect who's listening right now. But like, think about what is that project that you really know would make a difference in your business. Think about the client that you need to serve, like whatever that important work looks like to you, find a block of time for it. It just has to be an, you know, an hour a week if that's all you can do. Yeah. So important. So important. So your website is Ashley M. Gartland, G-A-R-T-L-A-N-D. So AshleyMGartland.com. Um, so if you want to learn more about Ashley or, or um, learn more about our programs, check out AshleyMGartland.com. Uh, great Facebook group called The Simplified Entrepreneur. You can search The Simplified Entrepreneur. So it's The Simplified Entrepreneur on Facebook. Go check that out and go join that group if you're interested. Um, on Instagram, it's Ashley Gartland. Um, email, if you want to send an email to Ashley and say thank you for sharing your knowledge here today, it's Ashley at AshleyMGartland.com. Ashley, thank you very much for joining me here today, sharing your knowledge uh, with the listeners here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, if you want to get that guide that Ashley mentioned, Five Steps to Simplify, you can get that today at ashleymgartland.com slash simplify. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-M-G-A-R-T. LAND.com slash simplify. You can get that today right now. And this episode is episode 228, 228. And I encourage you to go share that link with a friend. Go share it on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Send it by email. Tell your friend across the room. That's the only thing I ask you to do is share it with your friend. You can go Go review it on iTunes and give us five stars. Whatever you want to do, I that's great. I love when I see that. But what I really want you to do, I really want you to share that link with a friend and share what Ashley's sharing her knowledge with us. I want your friends to, to 
to benefit from that as well because that's how we're 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 showing the world what we're doing here that's how the world is learning what we're doing here at entree architect there are hundreds of thousands of architects who don't even know what we're doing here that's insane we need the whole world of entree architects to be here with us at the entree architect community so share this link entrearchitect.com episode 228 that's all i ask entrearchitect.com slash episode 228 and tag me so I know you did it and learn how to earn that elusive 20% profit. That's the number that you should be earning 20%. You can do it. Download our free course. We'll show you how entrearchitect.com slash free course. It's a free course that will show you how to be profitable. What's better than that? entrearchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, share what you know. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. 
It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.